This podcast is recorded for quality assurance and training purposes. And also to prove that we didn't say that thing. But you will never ever get access to these tapes without a subpoena for reasons we'll call privacy? But are basically, fuck you! Anyway, <laughs> this is Gay Space Communism, everyone's favorite Star Trek podcast where we talk a lot of shit about the show we ostensibly like. My name is Paul Byron. I am joined with all the hosts and a guest, uh, Round Robin, Corey. Tell, tell them who you are. Hey, this is Corey Archibald. I'm one of the hosts. You all know me. I don't know why you're even asking. Go ahead. <laughs> Rachel. Hi, it's Rachel. I'm here most of the time. I'm gay. I'm very gay. You know, both in the happy sense to happy to be here and also in the sapphic one. Hey. hey. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Amy, and I've brought with me a fellow from tech support to uh, talk to us today. Uh, so welcome, Robbie. Hello. Hello. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Robbie. I am Robbie from tech support. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, great. So I have a couple of questions. My router has got all these blinking lights on it, and that seems like it's not great. And my printer's crying. And no, that's terrible. <laughs> I did. We didn't actually. Your printer's. It's crying. Your printer's crying. It's very sad. No, it's probably fine. <laughs> I need to probably feed it something. Anyway, uh, we're here because you're a Trekkie, and we wanted to talk about all the tech in Trek is supported by, I assume, jackoffs and onesies. But who can say? <laughs> and we don't really. Yeah, like and like sort of unpacking that whole the whole engineering and sort of repair and maintenance and coding culture and how that would actually work right because the world that we live in is that is what's happening but it's all being done very badly and i would not trust it to take me past the light speed barrier how do we get there do we wait do we want to talk about what we're watching first we usually kick oh off sure oh right well that's foolish of me to have <laughs> skipped past see that's one of the problems the show has is that there's major issues with scheduling when i just sort of blow past the thing because i have not really been watching anything star trekky but haven't so haven't thought about it so somebody else tell me about a space show you've been watching well um <laughs> i've been watching uh, voyager lately i am post seven of nine at this point so seven of nine has been introduced and there's a lot more interesting things going on because of that it's been very exciting to see a borg on a federation ship this is this is the first for me at least uh watching this oh, wait till you get to the baby viorgs <laughs> no don't worry about it so ds9 was your first track right robbie yeah, uh, no. So my my first Star Trek was actually uh, Next Generation when I was younger, and then I kind of fell off as I got older. And then I have, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, I'm not depressed anymore. So <laughs> I've been watching Star Trek like crazy. What's your secret, Robbie? <laughs> yeah, I'd really like uh, to know. Let's see, uh, Counselor Troy. <laughs> uh, lots of medication. Oh, well, that's a that's a brain good, probes, good way to do it. I don't know something. Jam that hypo spray right in my neck and crank it up to 11. Yep. Let's go. Borg nanoprobes. The cure for depression. <laughs> <laughs> Borg nanoprobes. We're going to rebuild yep. your brain. You can just, uh, You'll love it. Modify them to help your brain push out serotonin. That's how it works. Well, I actually just finished watching a rewatch of Voyager recently. So I will do my best in our discussion because it's your first time watching Voyager, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll do my best to avoid any any spoiler, major spoilers for you. But there's definitely some fun stuff coming up. And I think Voyager doesn't get enough credit. People like to crap on Voyager a lot. Definitely there's some problems with the show. But I actually think it's it's one of the better shows. of. Trek. I will die on the hill of people like Voyager less because of sexism. Like it's, it's yeah. pretty fucking obvious <laughs> because it's yeah. such a woman forward show, you know? Yeah. It, it was good even before Seven of Nine. I mean, Voyager did not yeah. need to wear skimpy outfits to draw attention. Like, no. if Voyager is comfortable wearing that, then that's Voyager's choice. But, you know. Exactly. Agreed. I think it was more of a, like, marker for when oh, yeah. <laughs> things yeah. would get better. But also, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, no, skimpy demarcation. <laughs> well, uh, there's plenty of people that liked Voyager specifically because of that, that addition. So it's understandable. Look, valid. The original Avengers, you know, the one with the two British people. Her name is Emma Peel because that's the marketing term for fucking titties at the time. <laughs> it's a well-established feature of television. We cannot really escape the medium's function in that way. We can do our best, though. Very valid. I mean, I, I we say a lot of, uh, well, they're trying on this show, just to <laughs> give you a heads up. <laughs> yeah. 
So I've been um, I've been working my way through a chronological viewing of all Trek for got, at this point it's about eight months, almost nine months. I think I started in late December, so yeah, coming up on nine months. And uh, I'm I'm finally into Lower Decks, Paul. I'm excited about You've that. You've just, I, I just dated finished. the fetus of old Trek and are now birthing yes. the new world. Yeah, I'm roaster than I made it wanted to sound. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just finished uh, season one of Lower Decks. I'm looking forward to starting season two. And actually, I for the first time in for ever I have finally convinced my husband to start watching Trek with me again because he sat, sat down and started watching Discovery and he got pissed off as soon as they started torturing the tardigrade and refused to watch anymore and I haven't been able to convince him to watch anything else until Lower Decks so Ouch. that was a win my wife did like the same thing it's such a, like a gentle reason to not like Discovery like that was all hot yeah. for some sort of take <laughs> I mean they did not torture the tardigrade in vain all right I know, but still, it was just like, it's the same reason he quit watching Game of Thrones. As soon as Danny locked up her dragons, he was like, fuck this, I'm done with this show. <laughs> well, beating out a lot of the population on that one, so good move. Yeah. I will die vindicated <laughs> because I never got into it in the first place. I watched so much of it and I was like, this is fine. And I'm fucking vindicated. I started watching that and I read all the novels that were out and then I started watching more of the show and I realized I didn't have to let this man hurt me anymore. You know, I could just stop. I'm right there with you. That's a different podcast, but that is not gay. (laughs) That is not space. That is definitely not communism. In fact, Game of Thrones is the most heterosexual show I've ever seen. And I don't (laughs) say that in a positive sense. (laughs) <laughs> I, I just also want to say it's it's definitely so not a space show either. No. Even Anne <laughs> McCaffrey managed to make dragons in space work, but can they? No, they cannot, because it's not really a dragon show either. It very anyway. clearly is a show about kind of Europe, you know, but not like Europe, Europe, but Europe. It's Real Housewives Dragons Edition. No, I am not <laughs> going to explain that further. I think that's solid right there. I dare say that, yeah, the world does not need more of that. It's good. That's a solid chunk of information. So yeah, I too have been watching absolutely nothing. As we record this, it is currently the beginning of August, and DSA is having its 2021 convention, and it is a fucking shit show, y'all. Like, I'm not even a delegate, and I'm still occupied trying to put out fires. It's truly amazing. So that's what I've been doing. I hopefully by the time you hear this, dear listeners, you will know from future looking back fondly that we in the mosaic slate of which I am a member successfully won Atlanta and took over all of DSA. And now it's like actually doing cool shit. But right at this moment in history, we are not yet in the future where we've won. Things are bad. It's deep space assholes out there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) DSA. Okay, that's not no, uh, you're having to watch all that. I'm only peri- I'm not even a participant at this stage at this for this kid. And like, well, it seems like y'all are having a lot of trouble and drama and trying to read the schedule. I mean, yeah, like, it takes a the lot only of thing updating. less interesting than re 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 litigating Game of Thrones is anything DSA related. I'm sorry for mentioning them on air. <laughs> <laughs> the only worse content than re 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 litigating Game of Thrones. Oh, gosh. Um, So, Robbie, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I have this odd quirk that I love hearing um, tech support and IT people complain about their jobs. So, uh, uh, (laughs) Is that much of a quirk? I don't know. I think that's kind of a universal choice. Right. I I just want to, before you even go further, I just want to say that like Deep Space Nine, like I absolutely adore Benjamin, but good Lord, do you really think that few of people can get everything you want done within the certain amount of time that you want done? No, (laughs) there aren't that many people on the engineering team for an entire space station. Are you kidding me? I've seen them. There's only like five or six people that circulate now. I mean, obviously casting, but still. (laughs) Um, And one of them's Rom, damn it. The hardest working man in all of the Bajoran engineering staff. Well, this actually, okay, since you brought up DS9, I want to start us off kind of with an observation if I can, and I'd like for you to react and expound on this if that's okay, Robbie. All right, so just thinking about getting ready for this discussion today, I was thinking about how dependent everything in the Trek universe is on technology, and yet we really don't see what we in the modern or in our current worldview would consider tech support. Anytime somebody needs to repair a computer 
computer, rewrite a program, you know, hack into a system, figure out why something like that is breaking down. The person they always call is the engineer. And, you know, they're calling the people that are, are responsible for keeping the physical systems of the ship or the station in DS9's case up. And like Miles O'Brien is he's he's actually like crawling around repairing conduits and then in the next scene he's he's hacking into like rewrite subroutines to, you know, bypass security protocols. And it, Miles is a mechanic. He's a very, very talented mechanic. My husband is a mechanic. He's an incredibly talented mechanic, but he is not a computer programmer. And it just feels like Trek just kind of mashes those things together. And I've never really understood why. Like, it seems obvious that there would have to be people that specialize in the computer programming aspect of it or in the actual, like, repair of the computer technology that keeps things functioning besides just the regular machines that go. You know, if I can I briefly interject before Robbie gives what I am sure will be a much better answer, it's because the only thing less interesting than DSA is sitting around watching people on Star Trek doing tech support. <laughs> All right, so if you yeah. press the blue part of the panel, <laughs> press it again, and press it again. Okay, now, like, does anything else blinking on the board? Okay, now you need to reboot the board. So you go around to the back, and there's a little switch. And you, see, yeah, no, that's that sucks. We gotta, yeah. Sorry, you're you're telling me there's an alert on your panel. I don't I don't see an alert on my end. Could you try accessing that page in incognito <laughs> mode, or maybe clearing your browser's cache? Uh, <laughs> shift and then refresh the whole table, the whole bridge, the whole thing. Just refresh the whole thing. Just shut it down. Turn it back on. Computer power uh, cycle. Oh no! Boot. Yeah, let me just uh, power cycle the. computer computer and then deep space nine just drifts off into space uncontrolled <laughs> yeah because there's a little like control thrusters and surface like things that keep it just kind of set yeah. there because there's disturbances in what the space they have they i mean that's how they get it over by the wormhole in the first place oh boy exactly yeah they have to compensate for that all the time between that and like the planetational like orbit and stuff and you're you're just sitting there like if they ever try to like reboot something <laughs> they're gone there's another aspect of DS9 that I, I want to get into later about how the different programming works together, because that is a whole other ball of wax. But yeah, please finish your thought. Yeah, I, I, I will say tech support. Honestly, a lot of it, you know, obviously the fact of the uh, it would be boring to watch genuinely. It, it really is just kind of a lot of looking at things more or less until you find what the actual issue is, because like 90 percent of the time I, and I, I can see it on the show too. 90 percent of the time, somebody who's reporting the issue doesn't actually know what the issue is. And then on the side of between engineers and like tech support, I feel like you see a lot more engineers because they have a lot of systems in place to do things like that like you never you never hear about somebody running a diagnostic somebody's always having the computer run a diagnostic on itself so i, I right. feel like maybe it's maybe just advances in technology but at the same time it i agree it is it is a little weird that they don't have like coding experts or anything show up like they'll have occasional people like the the dude who developed the emh program he's like a he's like a hologram developer specifically and stuff like that but you just you just very rarely see them well, yeah, but like at the same time, you get to Voyager and, you know, every time the EMH's program starts acting up, they call Balana, the lady who keeps the ship's engines running, who is a very talented engineer, to come in and rewrite all of his programming code. Like, like what is that just a thing that every, like, does everybody in, for the graduates from the academy have to have like a graduate level knowledge of computer programming? Starfleet Coding Academy. Send your kids. <laughs> I mean, in my experience in, in a physics department, mm -hmm. like the only people that are confident of engineers coding are engineers <laughs> and like mm -hmm. computer programmers <laughs> dread when physicists and mathematicians and engineers try to get their hands in there. Yeah. Do not at us engineers. <laughs> I, I yeah i was actually gonna mention that too because it's it's definitely um i i feel like they would have to if if there's like a chief engineer they're gonna have to be somewhat software literate to be able to diagnose and fix certain problems so i'm sure as much as we don't really see it that often i'm sure o'brien has a lot more expertise and like it is a little weird especially uh, for for instance there's a great example uh on the on one of the episodes i recently watched uh glad it's fresh in my memory here but the emh was sent over some long space communication system and they were talking about how how are we going to do this if we don't get him back 
uh, and they were trying to like rebuild him from scratch. And like, yeah, that was theoretically, hilarious. that should have been something like Belana should have been able to do easily based on what we've seen. But they didn't go to her, and she was available. Yeah, they went to Harry <laughs> Kim, who yeah. like basically barely knows how to program a hollow novel. Yeah, there aren't three of him all the time is kind of a weird like, I mean, I get there's like a processing concern, but like the sort of hand wavy. Oh, well, we can't keep him in the anywhere else. It, uh, like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Why couldn't they just like have downloaded the backup of his program? Like, why not? Well, because then the character never experiences any true risk and you can't feel for him. So I get it, like, storytelling-wise, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And we also know he takes up a large, like, portion of the ship's, like, subroutines and stuff at this point. The hollow emitter works to an extent, but I don't know if they necessarily in this century of things have the technology to accompany all his knowledge in actual like remote form for real because the the hollow emitter itself broadcasts from the ship if i recall correctly are you saying that winrar does not exist in the 24th <laughs> century is that it's gonna be a problem no oh, dear i mean no. my case space utopia does not have winrar <laughs> <laughs> you can't unzip anything it's awful there's a ton of old uh zip files that are just sitting in a starfleet database somewhere that nobody can get that's to. why the media <laughs> access is so limited because it's a shitload of stuff that's just on an apple drive and no one has a functioning <laughs> mac anymore they're like i don't have i can't ah i want to watch these movies they're like sorry what is a zip file <laughs> like when we're talking about modeling something as complicated as the human brain Brain. Even if you take out all of the parts that are just sort of somatic functions and exclusively talk about like explicit things like personality and language and memories, even when you sort of reduce down to those things, we're still talking about like the kind of computing that does not yet exist. We would have to be doing like quantum computing and then some because even within the human brain, right? Like it is not just a binary of like go, no go checks the way that code as we sort of know it now is and it's like more probabilistic anyway so i figured like it's not even just that they wouldn't be able to unzip things or whatever they wouldn't have to like compress his file so to speak but also just that like even in the most compressed sense i don't think that there would be any way to even approach it with like any recognizable computer we have now Thank you for calling SETI Alpha 7 my name is Paul can you please give me the model number of your ship <laughs> Can you please give me the make, model, and year of your EMH? They all have different subroutines and different issues. <laughs> They've got different bug lists, different troubleshooting. I need to know your exact make, model, and year of release. Exactly and how long are the fingernails? You know what? Ha! Better yet, what ship are you on? What's the last security update you got? You got the Andy Dick one. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I don't, no one likes this. This is bad. <laughs> I just saw that one, too. He's such a bad... He's so bad at being immortal and indestructible. I agree. He's so self-conscious. And like how, why would you program like... a coward computer? What's wrong? Like, what? Like... <laughs> For real. Like he has he obviously so from the from the first EMH, we obviously know that there are a lot of things that an EMH can potentially do. And from what we know from that version of the EMH, he has a lot more capacity to be able to do them. So why is he a coward? Because Andy Dick is a character actor that we all liked for a short time in the mid nineties and we don't really understand it ourselves. Well, we think Q is some, involved. Some people liked him. <laughs> okay, apparently we like he he worked more than I get to, so I feel like well, that's, that's um, fair. unfortunately. That's fair. I mean he's fine. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at Andy Dick, but But to answer your question, Robbie, like why they didn't take advantage of the fact that the EMH was capable of so much more, it's because they didn't actually know that EMH was capable of so much more. That was we had this a really interesting discussion um, a while ago with Damien, who we we're really hoping to get back on the show at some point about consciousness and, and personhood. And you know, the EMH is he's an artificial life form, but he is definitely a life form. He is a person, and he became what he is because he exceeded the sum of his programming, just much like Data has. So the, the people who created the EMH Mark One didn't know that they were capable of doing all that stuff. They just assumed that they were limited by their programming, which is a thing that they should have known better because they're freaking Starfleet and you know they're not new. 
new to this experience, but still, it serves the story. Yeah, the Voyager goes back and forth on that a little bit because, like, in the beginning, his consciousness is like an emergent property of his expanded programming. Right. But then, like, when they put all the EMH ones in slavery or whatever, like now they're all consciousness without the emergence happening. So I think I think that they they're arriving at at EMHs or like born people. You know, I think that's what they arrive at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're kind of exploring. Yeah. They kind of, I don't know if you've gotten to that episode yet. You probably no, you haven't because that's that's pretty late season. So I don't want to spoil it for you. But but there there is an episode where there's a you get to see a lot of other EMH Mark ones in in operation. Okay. And a crux part of that story is the fact that they are beginning to exhibit their own emergence of consciousness. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty cool. I feel like with all of this technology and and everything, like I understand where y- you said, you know, they they couldn't have really anticipated that. But like we have Doctor Soon's like uh, research and technology. Why why would they not think that's a thing? Because that's basically how data is built, just on a smaller form factor. You know, like oh, I agree. It's, it it it's kind of like I know that they they anticipated uh, obviously Doctor the the EMH like learning more as it goes through and. And, and learns new things it just has what's available and then it'll create more off of that but like the fact that they didn't necessarily anticipate generating a consciousness is just beyond me because it's obviously very possible uh, and has oh, been yeah. exhibited multiple times before this point really oh yeah 100 percent. i agree with you i mean I'm, I'm i'm saying like they they didn't know it but mm. i definitely agree that they should have known it yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> they all skipped Moriarty Day at the Academy, all right? Yeah, for real. Apparently. Well, a bunch <laughs> of them may have been not in the Academy in time to get Moriarty Day training. So, like, it is a weird that mm, we've discussed okay. that in some context of like, okay, so when Moriarty happens, you spend 10 years writing a weird research paper about it, then it becomes a class. Okay, so hear me out. Yes, that is absolutely true. But also, can you imagine being the IT person who got that phone call? Just like, uh, hi, hi, yeah, yeah, good day to you too. Um, so this is a weird one. Uh, we were, our captain was down in the holodeck, uh, and he got... Well, no, 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 that's not, no, the captain's fine. No, what, I, I mean, it's the Enterprise, but no, like, he got, okay. Are you sure it isn't lore, ma'am? Are you sure it isn't lore? Have you checked to make sure that you've got the right android? Listen, it came to life Oh, did you ask the computer to make a consciousness? Well, yes, I rebooted it. Never do that. It can, it can totally do that. That's not, oh, God, oh, God. What? You've not put a warning on this, though. Right? I mean, and I guess is it like one of those situations where you have to get like you create the warning after the fact? Like it's it has to happen first? I don't know. Well, you don't realize it can do it until then, I guess. I feel like if we know about this potential now and like have this concept of emergence as such now that it would not have happened in reality. But it is a more interesting story. So like Mm-hmm. Yeah. the tv show does have to live for this and also i mean i think that it's really important culturally to when we're talking about just sort of the advent of artificial intelligence in star trek in the 90s outside of that we were starting to have some really serious cultural conversations about selfhood and identity qua cloning and it was pushing a lot of national conversation about sort of at what point does a being become their own being you know is a person alive we have of course you know the abortion debate that was going on back then and continues to rage you know and there's sort of been this very recent international reckoning with our own smallness if that makes sense um and so i think for them you know in that moment that was one of the things they were really trying to explore is like like you were saying about the paper gets written and then 10 years later Later, it's a class you know i think these are like the asimovs you know the sort of like technological soothsayers who see these things coming and are trying to answer those questions before we need those answers that's fair i i just just real quick because uh, i know we're we're about to go into another point but like i just imagine like like you say getting that call um hey my my um my hologram has gained sentience I'm sorry, can you repeat that, ma'am? My hologram has gained sentience. Okay, what what ship model are you in? I'm in the, uh, uh, this is the new one. It's the Prometheus. Get out. They can go onto every floor. Get out. Go. Run. Go to the escape pods. Get out of that ship. What was it? The Prometheus, the the one where it had the 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 one where it was Andy's. That was the Andy Dick one. Yeah, the killer one because it had like it couldn't deal with the mess. 
Well, the the killer one, and then Andy's whatever. Yeah. There were there were hollow emitters on every uh, yeah. every deck, and yeah. that's just that's just scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the killer episode put that into good perspective. You're yeah. just lucky you didn't get like a Bruce Maddox on the line. Like, what do you mean sentient? Are you sure? Mm, doesn't sound sentient. To me. Mm, mm, bullshit. It's <laughs> not even going to give you a hand because that they like because that measure of a man really demonstrates a very low understanding of intelligence in general. But that's we have to blow past some of those because otherwise it's a bad show. Yeah, I mean, are Starfleet IT professionals allowed to like deny service based on their feelings about the sentience of artificial people? Well, it would be sort <laughs> of. It, does. We do have to respect their wishes because we would hate to be a cultural imperialist, except when we do that regularly at Starfleet. <laughs> Data does. He he refuses to like work on on certain like. There's a couple of episodes where he refuses to work on something or refuses to like send a robot into into service to do a particular task because he believes that they've become and, and proves that they have gained intelligence and become sentient. Well, sure, but he's not refusing to repair the thing. He's doing it to preserve that life. I think uh, Amy is giving us the gross religious medical exemption of I don't think yeah, you're a okay. person, so I don't I'm have to treat you. Joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it is a weird line. How much people is my machine? And it's can't be none. Uh, maybe it's none. It could, if it's just a screw, like a screwdriver, that's probably none. Anyway, I wanted to talk about because a lot of the episodes of, of Star Trek are about broken thing or ships all fucked up or need to recalibrate the what's-its. And there's sort of a lot of opportunities for us to talk about repairs and tech support and engineering. But I think something that Starfleet has a big problem with that we share is outsourcing. So there's a few episodes where Starfleet's just throw everything off to somebody else. Got dead stop very early on an Enterprise, which is more reasonable that they show up to an automated station that wants to drink their blood. And that at least flies in terms of a, this is a concept here. They, like you're in deep space and there is nowhere else to repair it. This is your ship. Yeah, well, you let it ride. That being said, the binars, they just let him, here you go, go get on board the ship, do whatever. And if not for Picard and his saddle, where would we be? That wasn't the binars. The was binars. That, that, okay, I'm sorry. Well, there's a lot of opportunities. Yeah, now you're thinking of the group that came yeah. in to do the uh, the cleaning of the, they were doing like the Baryon suite. No. You're thinking of that group. No, they did. No, 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 no. You're you're actually mixing them up with a different group. See? <laughs> a lot of outsourcing. <laughs> this is what I'm getting the at. The binars. Let's talk about I it. I Googled them just to get an image. Uh, the binars, yes, because those were the ones they were doing an upgrade to the yeah. warp engine, and they weren't part of the Baryonic. Uh, b- no. B- no, uh, no, they weren't. They weren't. The one the one with Picard and his saddle was the one with the Baryon sweep. Yes. Yeah. So so they were trying to upgrade the ship, but eventually they were just like, yeah, we're just going to take it over. We have a human rights crisis, so we're stealing your ship. It's a but yeah, it's weird. I feel like outsourcing in Star Trek is just not handled very well. Like, I feel like it could be done. Okay. It's just they're not doing any background checks. But like at the same time, how are you going to like background check a race like an entire like planet of people? How how, who are you going to check with in theory? Like profiling alert, profiling alert. Right? Is there like a space UN and a space ISIS and like they're all just sort of clawing it? But that's true, though. There are. Yes, they're called the Federation and the Maquis. Yeah, exactly. They have established that, yes, there's just going to be clans. And people are going to think that people in their clan are good and the other clan are bad. And it's going to be the same thing. I kind of wish my dream is that if we go out into space someday and like actually start regularly encountering other sentient species, they won't be as much of an asshole as we are. Like, I would like to believe we're the worst of it, you know? I just, you know, and this may be a little bit of a hot take, but like, I hope we encounter a telepathic race first, and it would just make a lot of other things easier, to be honest. Yeah. Like, as much as that can theoretically be very invasive, I don't necessarily 100% agree with it, but it would make travel, exploration, like gaining new knowledge about new species a lot easier and less conflictual. (laughs) Maybe for the telepath, but like, how do do we get to acquire that information? Mm, valid. There was that, uh, uh, what was it? The Betazoid serial killer? Yeah. yeah. Half Betazoid? Well, and there's kind yeah. of a joy to the privacy of me getting to think things and not telling you about them, because maybe you don't need to know that I think that looks like shit on you. Exactly. So, like, <laughs> like I said, like, it's it's not necessarily a fix-all, but, like, right. they gotta do something to prevent the fact that people can just walk onto a starship and steal it. <laughs> well, I mean, they let Data be in charge all the time. Yeah. It does seem ridiculously easy, like, like how many really times in, uh, in Enterprise do they have somebody come in and take over the ship? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever yeah. seen Enterprise the series, but oh, oh, Enterprise itself. No, I have not. 
Oh, well, it happens a bunch. That's a hot wiring situation. You just spark the warp core a little bit and it just starts going. That's not like a yeah. real, it's not a real secure device. <laughs> yeah, but you would think they would have made more progress than they actually did between there and like next generation. Right. Only uh, some yeah. of the doors lock. <laughs> I just feel like there's so many situations where aliens have just so easily been able to take over a ship. And half the time, it's not through unconventional means. It's it's just they just kind of waltzed in under false pretenses and got it. OK, so I have a I have a thought on that point that really kind of ties back to the thing I wanted to say earlier about Deep Space Nine, which is how bizarre it is that other aliens can just waltz onto a Federation ship or Federation people can waltz onto an alien ship and just sit down at a console and kind of figure out like how it works and what does what. And that it doesn't make any sense to me because like if you think about like Deep Space Nine, we've got all this Cardassian technology and then they bring in all this Federation technology and somehow Miles O'Brien gets these two systems that are absolutely alien, like they're basically different operating systems that are working together in the same circuitry and somehow they're cooperating and working. Like, I don't even know, like, how do you even do that? It's called the metric system, Corey. <laughs> Obviously, it's called the magical tricorder. Okay. You scan it and you know what it does. That's it. That's that's all it is. Hoshi is somewhere involved in all of the things being mutually legible. No, like, I think the assumption that they're making is that math would work basically the same everywhere. And in practice, what they're doing is pushing buttons and seeing which lights turn on. Like right. <laughs> Like, they don't even go out of their way to learn other languages. That's the thing. Like, they have universal yeah. translators and stuff. Like, and, and Miles O'Brien obviously harbors a lot of, like, hard feelings. And I mean, rightfully so. But towards He doesn't care for the spoonhead. It's true. Yeah, he doesn't want to learn anything. How did he learn how to use all that stuff? They legitimately have talked about how they are locked out of and don't know anything about Cardassian technology. But then magic, it works. Right, yeah. It's such a jarring thing to to see, I'll be honest, especially coming from a tech support like perspective, because, you know, it, there are a lot of things, especially nowadays, where you can go like, yeah, there's an adapter that'll fix that. But like when facing alien technology that you literally have no information on, what are you supposed to do? The closest they get to exploring that is in Deep Space Nine, where whenever they have to take over a Jem'Hadar ship, and it's just like, it's so alien in its construction and its operation that like, it takes them days to figure out how to even turn the engines on. But I do kind of enjoy this mental image, right? Of like, they climb on board the ship and they just start mashing the buttons. Because it's always like on screen, what's happening is they're pushing buttons. Like, I'm not sure I can figure it out. And I just choose to believe in my head that outside of the ship, the inertial dampeners are working their asses off because the ship itself is lurching around like a drunk toddler <laughs> in a go-kart. Like the parking you know? brake is on. Like you yeah, got your crap. Like, like... It's like just driver's ed class from hell. Oh, sorry, phaser. <laughs> Because, like, you're out in space, like, you're far enough away from everything that you can actually probably afford to fuck that up. It's fine. Like, the chances of hitting something are very small. So, like, fuck it, right? Like, push the buttons, see what happens. Well, it's true in Star Trek. Like, they rely on, like, technology to allow you to breathe. It's the same technology we, like, get frustrated with because it doesn't always deliver our tweets, you know? It's like, we know this stuff isn't reliable. Where, where, where is it that they made it reliable? Yeah, why is the replicator not recommending the dish I just ate? Okay, so this is this is something I have definitely wanted to bring up. With anybody with Star Trek technology, you can have as many backup systems as you want. There are bugs all the time, everywhere. Nobody has the time to sit and spend and squash every single bug. You can have as many backup systems as you want. It's not really going to work that effectively. Well, I, like, I think the Scotty gives us the coverage on this, actually, which is that the engineer's handbook says its tolerances are about 10 to 20% lower than its actual tolerances. So you, a good law-abiding Starfleet, never actually reach the point where the bugs could kill you. I mean, that's at least a decent design philosophy in light of that reality, right? As you go, okay, cool, this will fuck up. How many extras do we need? Great. And then how do we keep you from driving it so hard it fucks up? They'll just tell you it breaks at half the speed it breaks at. And then you never ruin it. 
I think that is a valid strategy of like, I do this myself and maybe this is because I have ADHD and I'm perpetually late for things, but like I will tell myself things because I know I run late are starting earlier than they actually do. And I just intentionally encode it like incorrectly so that when I am late, because I will be late, I still make it there like reasonably on time. And I figure you could just do that with like anything. You can just lie to yourself until it's true. Yeah, in theory, like a delayed system, I guess, would with how they've explained it. Yeah, that does kind of make sense. But it's still like, it's weird that they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's like they can operate between so and so percent. And it's like, okay, does that mean like stress? Does that mean like, does that mean like what it's actually performing? Does that mean the stress of what it's performing? Does that mean like the the amount of people or items that it's transporting? Like, you know, things like that. In yeah, terms shields of- are at 40%. Well, that feels like stuff's going to get through them right is that is that like is it big holes is it just the front is it just the back is it just slowing all the photons down yeah yeah exactly like that's that's just a saying saying that they can operate within normal parameters within a certain percent just doesn't like make sense number wise like wait why this is making me (laughs) feel like it's uh probably actually reasonable that so many star trek episodes are about the computer just not functioning properly you know Hmm. I mean, the fatality rate on actual real astronauts is like 3%. That's high for any job, (laughs) right? So, I mean, Starfleets are also in an active Navy doing war, but there is a lot of them ostensibly just out they're doing this all the time and so it is they're a lot better at it one assumes but yeah still now you're increasing the instances and numbers of things that can break to ruin your life yeah yeah exactly so speaking of things that can break and ruin your life i've got a question for you robbie so um <laughs> since, <laughs> since you're since you're watching voyager um, and I, I know you you've encountered this story point already a big crux of the doctor's storyline is when he acquires his mobile emitter which is a piece of 29th century technology that he that fell into his lap because of you know the dude that was stealing tech so imagine for a minute that you know you're just going about your uh-huh. business as a, ed as begley an jr famous and yeah. best character actor pardon <laughs> yeah okay okay Sorry. anyway just imagine you're you're just going about your regular business your regular day as an it guy and somebody walks in and says like hey i got this thingy it's from 500 years in the future and it's kind of broken can you fix it like how confident would you feel in that scenario to be able to tinker your way around and figure out how to repair and keep that thing operational so obviously not at all (laughs) (laughs) like i i will 100 percent say that that felt very i i can't think of the right word but it it was it was convenient i guess is the best thing that i can put for it like it's it, it didn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense that they can keep it up it doesn't make sense that it's been damaged and they fixed it somehow like <laughs> i i understand in theory if they took the time and like tested it and like kind of figured out the inner workings with as much as starfleet has already advanced versus starfleet 500 years in the future it really didn't seem like they had an immense amount of technological jump it seemed more of like a time-based technology jump if that makes sense so like i can see why they had a better time working with the mobile emitter because they already know how holographic emitters work and they know how to put in small ones on different parts of the ship for the doctor so it's not impossible but it's really weird that they're like oh it's broken we know how to fix it like that's a little weird yeah, and once again, it goes to Balana. Balana, who keeps the ship's yeah. engine running, is, oh, here's this tiny thing from 500 years in the future. Balana, fix it. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of amazed that nobody has, like, stolen it to try and reverse engineer it, too. You know, like, I'm these are... They haven't tried to. Yeah, well, and I mean, really? maybe, you know, <laughs> to be fair, though, I think there might be something to what you were saying about the future technology not being that different in terms of like hollow emitters because like I could imagine there's only so many ways to do it right like a projector can only work Mm -hmm. so many ways you know like and there's only so many ways 
use like even for just a 2D projector to really get an image through a lens and onto a surface, right? So I figure it makes sense that they could recognize the fundamentals of the system well enough to iterate and that there would just be some sort of aspect of it that is much more efficient than they knew how to do, you know? So like you would probably be able to fix it and then it wouldn't be as good. But I could see like coming up with sort of a reverse engineered fix for something like that, assuming that Mm. that technology could only develop so far and then it would just be a matter of refining Mm. efficiencies. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, 100%. We actually, um, I was kind of talking to someone about kind of a technological sort of similar situation where like video games, for instance, are getting like, so graphically high fidelity that it's not unnecessarily and and this the the reason I'm saying that is because it fits it fits for the it's not necessarily an advance so much as it is adjacent where they're gonna go with it so like mobile emitters may have gotten to a certain point and then they started getting maybe better memory or something because they've talked about uploading the doctor to it and we've seen him go on like away missions that are very detached from the ship like it's not like a oh they're sitting in orbit it's like a we're gonna send you with an away team and we're gonna go to another system for a minute and we'll swing back or something you know i you know paraphrasing but same thing it's it's like you know we don't exactly even know how the how the technology and that works it's possible that a lot of how it works is is just the fact that it has more condensed memory for holograms absolutely yeah this gives me two thoughts one which is very much that right like the computers that used to be a building are now less like the cray that was a piece of huge furniture that required a bunch of power is now less powerful than the thing in your pocket okay but ostensibly it's still arranged in a lot of the same ways you could in theory find the chips and figure out what they did on the other hand i can't hear you because i'm dumping nanomachines into my literal plot device yeah 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 (laughs) also like to be fair those are coded and they were coded using an amalgam of coding languages from all of the species the borg assimilated that one actually seems more plausible to me wait but so you're saying they took their magical nanotechnology and put it with the magical future technology and they were like okay magical technology fix and then they they put a sword up into the air my impression of it has been that they were sort of slowly figuring out how the fucking operating system on those fuckers worked you know and like modifying behaviors around that and i mean if we can do that shit with dna we can do that shit with like a nanobot i think that's a fair guess right because there are things we would know no, like even in terms of just like the uh would it be like cryptology mm-hmm. or whatever the sort of encryptions themselves would be based around mm-hmm. this collective intelligence that the borg encompasses and i think that it would be very possible to like find through lines through that and like you know it's like that's valid. how all romance languages are kind of intelligible to each other mm-hmm. to an extent i also think that depending on the functionality we don't even necessarily know because they they could have like a baseline like operating system that they all operate off of and they just keep improving on that like Windows or like Mac or whatever so like it's very possible that the next altercations over years eventually just it's all building on the same thing so it is at least kind of baseline easy to comprehend the basics does that make sense I think so yeah so I just had a thought, except for Lower Decks, Star Trek really doesn't like depicting Oompa Loompas. Is that why we don't ever see tech support? I, I think you're right. Actually, that's a really great point to make. Like some kind of sort of inherent classism in the writer's room about this kind of yeah. activity. Yeah, there yeah. there definitely is, I feel like. But like even, even smaller engineering teams like O'Brien's personal, like smaller teams, the teams that... No, like every, oh, there I can't always think of his name. Few, there are always, yeah, Rom. There, but yeah, there's always a few small groups or of guys yes. do, with wrenches and boxes going to go do a thing, quote unquote. But yeah, it's rarely the focus in that way. Exactly. And and even so, a lot of the times they do have like actual engineering tasks that they do. So I it really is an interesting question. I don't know if they just don't really show it or if they just don't really have tech support anymore. Like maybe it's just kind of like phased out in favor of the computer self-diagnostics because it, it really does seem like they rely on that a lot. Even engineers themselves will rely on computer self-diagnostics before going into a problem. And uh, 
obviously that's because of the complex nature of of their systems but at the same time you you'd think there is somebody that's just like hey my replicator is replicating all of horrible cold awful ractaginos and uh my customers are super upset and and you well, know yeah. they like like they troubleshoot it or something but again that's a computer self-diagnostic so here's what I'm thinking though, like, about this, though, is that they have just automated it. Like, we already know they, the computers can yeah. pass the Turing test. So I think probably there's just an infinite supply of built-in bots. So even when you get, like, to the point where you can't do it with a self-diagnostic, they just send you to, like, pretend Carl, and your shit is just broken, and it never gets fixed. And I think that they just sort of accept that solution because they are nonetheless a neoliberal dystopia. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to push back on that because actually we see, especially in DS9, but we see it in all of the series, DS9 and Voyager in particular, where physically someone has to come and take a look at my replicator because it's not working right. Like that happens constantly in both of those shows in particular. So yeah, I agree with you. They definitely rely heavily on the computer running their own diagnostics. But how many times Mm -hmm. do we see Miles O'Brien go rip open the guts of a panel and start like replacing components and rewiring shit? Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's just that the nature of technical support has changed then, maybe. In terms of tech support just isn't what it used to be. Tech support in this era of automated self-tech support with bots and stuff has definitely progressed to a different point where normal technicians don't need to necessarily go anywhere or even talk to anybody unless there actually is an issue. But they do still, like, routinely in the story also have to, like, break in and do some programming stuff. We like see keep that up with... maintenance and stuff? Well, not just maintenance, but, like, you know, like, oh, let me let me go break into this subroutine and rewrite this. Like, Miles does that constantly. Bellana does that constantly. Like, it, we see it a lot. Which actually makes me wonder if all of the, like, libertarian Republican chuds that are telling everybody to go learn how to code right now might actually have a point. Oh, God, I hate myself. I mean, I objectively learning how to code was an extremely useful skill for me that I would recommend learning how to do just because it's useful. Yeah, well, Star Trek is very much like what happened in STEM, where mm-hmm. coding is the new knowing how to type, right? Yeah. Like, you don't expect yeah. to have a typist anymore. That's a really accurate point. Right. You know, and like, right now in academia, you don't expect someone else to program your math or physics or laboratory stuff. You expect to have a research assistant do that. But I was just told yeah. that programmers were sad when the mathematicians and physicists did their own coding. Oh, yeah, it's always terrible. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Practice. Great, great. I'm glad we're setting ourselves up for success. I want to just make sure I put those together. Like, I'm sure typists would be very disappointed in how I type, you know? Before we change topic, I actually, I think I have an answer for this one that is plausible. You know how there was a point where most of human beings could not read, and then we just made it a thing we teach all Mm -hmm. of the children, and now literacy is, like, damn near universal in most of the planet? Mm -hmm. You can do that with code, too. And there's actually been a big push in this. In the development community, there has been a big Mm -hmm. push to create more development games for kids, specifically because Mm -hmm. their brains are so plastic at that point that if you teach them how to code, it's like it flows through them like water and they just understand the Mm. way the computer thinks like so much more intuitively yeah i was gonna say on that point that engineers themselves may have even so we we might even be taking a different look on engineers in in this case so like how you're saying like oh they work with mechanical stuff all the time maybe that's just what we see you know they they could know a little bit of like damn near everything because ideally the people working on the technology should know everything about the technology so that they should know how to code it too it it just oh for sure makes sense logically speaking for technological advances so it, it does make sense that we'll see but there's uh, a difference but there's a difference between like knowing how mm. to change your own oil and like being able to perform a complex like engine diagnostic when you know there's mm. like major repair like so like, I'm, I'm using the mechanic analogy again because again my husband's a mechanic and he can do like mm. i could learn how to do very basic things and and pretty much mm. anybody could learn how to do very basic things but not everybody's going to be an expert on that level and we don't ever really meet the experts it's just like everybody that does all the other things on the ship or on the station also does some coding and that's the extent of what we see 
Well, the thing is, coding itself is not magic, though, right? It's a script. And you can, with a couple of very basic tools like console logging and console directories and, like, just sort of, I'm thinking of JavaScript in particular, but, like, with a couple of very basic tools, you can figure out a lot about what is happening in the code in that moment because the sort of fundamental way that information gets packaged and passed between different functions is the same on principle. So like once you understand the way information is passed between functions and once you understand the way functions are called in different scopes relative to, you know, what function they're in and what the parent function is and blah, 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 it gets more jargony from there. But once you sort of understand the principles of those relationships, you can apply them to basically any other programming language and figure out what's going on just by looking at what it does and how it got there in the chain of functions that are called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, you know, to to argue Star Trek's point, we have a lot of self-diagnosis tools at our disposal already. Why would we not get to a point where we no longer need manual diagnosis, you know? Well, I think this gets to kind of this kind of brings back around to the broken replicator problem. It's spitting out wet Doritos onto the carpet. Someone come down here and do something about it. Is I mean, but that's a real ultimate, like ultimately that is a real thing that has to happen anytime because even if the mm-hmm. automation, okay, well, the automated thing that fixes it is broken. Well, that needs a part change. And I love that they so this brings us back to one of my favorite things, Red Dwarf. The lead character of this is a food dispenser technician, third class. That means she cleans out the chicken soup to Spencer with a little bottle brush. That is like the stated job on the giant cityscape spaceship that he's on. And this is a real part of all of these shows and all of these worlds is because, yeah, you yeah. got to have somebody to mop and like something gets grimy. And I mean, even though the, the robots from Discovery kind of sort of because they precede TOS, those bots are now canonically the thing that fixes everything in Star Trek, I believe. We mm. still have, you know, you got to have some guys come down, swing some wrenches, change out a thing, hit the fuse, perform some as they call it NASA percussive maintenance. Um, (laughs) And this speaks to the inability to ultimately automate. Some level, you can't automate out the work. Yeah. So I can't help but wonder here. You only see people calling somebody to come fix it. But if we're assuming that everybody knows a little bit about everything and we don't see people trying to fix it themselves, I'm wondering, what is the right to repair landscape like in the Federation? Like, I wonder if it's like not even that they couldn't do it themselves, but they're just not like allowed to. There's some liability. Like I'm not certified to open that panel, so I should just call someone. So if it breaks, I'm going to be in hot water or whatever. There's maybe there's, because I mean, the Federation is absolutely a detailed and vibrant bureaucracy, right? So perhaps there is some system of punishment if you just open it up yourself and fuck it up. Well, you could die, as one assumes, Well, we do have some canon here to help us out. You know, canonically, messing with your replicator yourself is what captains do to relax on a dangerous mission. (laughs) So so I think that, like, right to repair, it seems to be, at least if you're an officer, you can tinker with that to to soothe your anxiety anytime you want. But also, like, I want to point out, like, what the tech support chain on DS9 is. Like, Quark has a problem with his replicator it's spitting out wet Doritos or whatever. The lowest ranked person he ever contacts directly is Kira. (laughs) Well, you got to put in a Kira ticket if you want anything done in the tech world. I think we all know. I'm sorry. That's a very niche joke. Good luck, everybody. I I will say, I think that's just kind of Quark's nature. Like Quark just reaches out to Kira because he's most comfortable with talking with Kira, like more so than that's actually who you need to go to. In a lot of cases, it seems like everybody goes to O'Brien. Even Quark, Quark, more often than not, actually, now that you've brought that up and I'm thinking about it, Quark reaches out to Kira only after he's had trouble with O'Brien. Right. And not getting a hold of him or any of the other engineering teams. Well, he gets Kira because he calls ops directly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just relishing the, the imagery of the replicator and quarks just spewing, like, wet Doritos into the bar. <laughs> just... I just need you to, because, like, context on that ship versus context in, like, a technical support company, he's basically just, like, calling up, like, a supervisor. Well, you know, I need to speak to the CEO of the company right now. It's like, sir, we have a 100 people whose job it is to stand between you and the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> 
Literally, that's exactly what it is, too. And it's funny to see people just kind of bypass that chain occasionally like it's nothing because it obviously is something, but nobody gives it that (laughs) that importance. This is why I am a fucking anarchist, right? Because no matter (laughs) what you fucking do, if you have people in positions of control over the distribution of resources in a hierarchical fashion, they will become bottlenecks around which personal favor can be negotiated. It creates power where there doesn't need to be power. So frankly, I think it should be that everybody goes and yells at Kira and that just Kira has thousands upon thousands of people telling her at all times everything that needs fixing and actually just picks wharfs to fix because she gets some grim satisfaction out of it and nepotism is fine in Star Trek. I don't know. Like, I think it would be more honest. Yeah, because that's how it's working anyway. You don't think that would be a bottleneck? No, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I I think it would be better if like that were a little more visible. I don't know. And this is sort of a broader critique I have of Star Trek, right? Is like they don't question that aspect of society that such bottlenecks should exist as a natural consequence of hierarchy and of bureaucratizing the distribution of resources, right? It's just sort of a haha bureaucracy, what you gonna do? Like given in this universe. And I think that's one of the major weaknesses of the series, you know? They had to do it because it was to a United States audience and we're fucking psychopaths mm. about communism or whatever. But I also think that, you know, it would have been better to really lean into that and sort of push that absurdity more. Yeah, I I actually, you know, on the on the note of like not seeing things in Star Trek, I have watched uh, at least season one of Lower Decks. And I know a lot of people actually there there are a decent bit of people that kind of give it flack. But I, I like that we actually see just kind of day to day stuff occasionally on it. Like oh, yeah. we're, we're not seeing all the seniors do all the senior stuff. We're seeing all the like lower staff and especially the people like I think they went into this on Lower Decks and it does make sense. Like I will tell you right now, people in tech support will put things off occasionally i say that because i still have a tech support job you know just in case anybody hears but uh (laughs) like it's just they're they're gonna try to put things off like a little bit at least to give them some wiggle room because like there's always the joke of oh tech support puts off things for way longer than it should be and and part of that is is like i guess a bit more of forward planning too in case you need to do more so that's why you get a lot of like oh yeah it'll be uh we'll we'll have it fixed in like four hours when really it's just like something as a viewer you're like this shouldn't take that long it's usually because of the amount of testing and troubleshooting and like if they find issues so that's why they give it larger time frame than normal um a lot but classic pizza delivery stuff your pizza will be there in 45 (laughs) minutes are you sure no, but if I tell you less than that, you'll call me and that'll be a pain in the ass. But it'll probably be 45 minutes to an hour and then it'll be there in 30 yeah. and you'll be like, hell yeah, my pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, under promise and over deliver, right? It's a pretty yeah. fundamental precept of, I don't know, servitude, I guess. <laughs> servitude, yeah. Expectation <laughs> management, I believe is the better way to refer to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's the fucking difference? How many of us just have the job of placating some old white person with money. Well, one of them is like, hey, I'd like to make sure my friends don't expect more than is definitely going to happen. So I think this is a a theory that could be applied elsewhere. Yeah. (laughs) But that being said, yeah, generally speaking, it's for that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so I think it's about uh, it's about game time unless we've got some uh, anybody else have any sort of heavier topics we'd like to talk about because I've got some fun, a little fun thing for us to do. No, listen, it's going to be like the Futurama future and it's going to be hilarious if somewhat grim. (laughs) Well, that being said, imagine you work tech support in the Federation. What is the least pleasant job or assignment in this regard? What are you not happy to be maintaining and doing? I will give you sort of action. Oh, see, that's, you know. You know, I would I would rather do waste extraction than be the guy who has to deal with a sentient hologram. Fair. Can you go take care of resetting that sentient hologram? That'll probably fight you. Thanks. I think in terms of like just irritation, probably if you were doing tech support on a ship for like Loxana Troy specifically. Oh. Can you imagine trying to walk Loxana Troy through anything? Wasn't there an episode about this? Probably. I feel like there was, and it was not great. She arrives at every ship and station to cause problems, and that's her job. And so, yeah, somebody has to tell her how it works, and she's like, no, I don't like it. 
Yeah, she causes problems or she's just their computer and that's it. She rules. We still stand, Luxana. No, I love Luxana, but like I definitely know Her job is to cause problems. It's a well yeah. It's a, yeah, that's a plot. Oh pack. yeah, she's a plot device. She is. You know, well, all tech it. support because she's too flappy. No, she's great. She's just got the flouncy <laughs> dresses. It's wonderful. Um, yeah. So I think everyone's chosen very noble and, and honorable quests. But what I will tell you is the worst job is to oversee the conversations for the Colonel Fork of the Starfleet ship OS. Because you're over, you're watching what? a whole bunch of nerds arguing over which code patches should be included and what parts need to be oh, upgraded God. and which ones are and are not interacting correctly. Which ones are going to break the whole deck or the transporter or the whatever because we got to upgrade them all we're doing a whole new gel pack system and we've got to make sure everything's up to os 10.10,000 or whatever the fuck and now we have to decide which packages need to be upgraded depreciated moved off fork oh does your project rely on that well you better make a pretty strong case as to why we're gonna have to maintain this legacy system that lasts since the fucking kirk era <laughs> And that's a forum <laughs> that you read. You're reading. That's a that's your life. You just have data pads and data pads of that. And you're just looking at it. You can always tell when somebody has PTSD from working for a tech company. Right? <laughs> you can always tell. And I am one of these people. You can tell. It's like somebody escaping a cult every time. <laughs> you know, I think the worst thing in tech support that I feel like probably does come out in Star Trek occasionally is when somebody's telling you about a problem and then you tell them how you're going to fix it and then they tell you you're wrong like they know what they're talking about. Oh my Ugh. god. I don't know, Balana. You seem to know literally everything about this whole fucking ship and I'm just some guy we've never seen before. But are you sure this is going to work? Pretty soon my face is melted off. Yeah, literally. Like, that happened so much where, like, people just didn't listen to engineers on ships and it just, you're, you're, they're just stupid. It's like, listen to the people who know what they're talking about. What's I mean, wrong with you? If I might gesture outside to the return of the COVID emergency tents, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm hoping by the 24th century we're past that. Okay, so I was going to agree with Corey about poop, but I'm definitely agreeing with Paul about the Colonel Fork now. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's worse than shit. Like, like I said, yeah, I, I totally, I feel like in the 24th century, we should be past the point of people trying to tell other people how to do their jobs. I would hope. That is such a quaint <laughs> expectation. And I, I know. love that for you. I know. <laughs> I love your optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is really just admirable that you put that kind of positivity in your life. But Worf is so bad at his job. I want to tell him all the time. <laughs> I mean, if somebody's bad at their job, by all means. But like, if somebody... Like, oh, no, you're, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's definitely a different scenario here. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, I'm a subject matter expert and you're trying to tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> Worf, be a better security officer and father. But, you know... Now, sometimes, sometimes that does come into play, like, like with, uh, what was it with the, uh, EMH when Kess was kind of more in the picture and she was like, you have a horrible bedside manner. And he's like, oh, okay. But that's, again, that's a, that's a definitely a different kind of situation too, but. He was never supposed to be on that long. He's a combat medic. He's supposed to patch you up so you go home, not be on for four yeah. and a half years and then emerge a consciousness. That's it. That's yeah. It was never designed for that. Right. Oh, so, well, we've decided what the worst possible jobs are. We've gotten a pretty decent grasp on what the hell's happening backstage at Star Trek. It's a lot of people are just, like, wearing headsets and going, Oh, are you serious? No, drive away from the star! And what do you mean you went back in time? Well, how are we talking? Various things like that. I just really want to hear the guys who have to deal with time travel tech support like that. Oh, my God. Sorry, <laughs> what time are you calling me from? Uh, uh, three years ago. Yeah, relative to when. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, a lot of our temporal support's been outsourced to 100 years ago, so don't tell them about anything that happens, please. Just be very Amazing. general. It's cheaper back then. People didn't <laughs> yeah. have as many expectations. It was cheaper to pay people in the past. We just have a we just have this giant call center ship that sits outside of time and space. Don't worry oh, about it. God. See, now we've There's ruined no maritime it. Maritime law. Don't worry about the Kremen. <laughs> yeah, they don't have maritime law in the wormhole yeah. by Deep Space Nine. Okay, I do want to ask one last question, though, because the Klingons don't seem like a culture that would do great with tech support, right? Oh, my God. Where are the Klingon tech support people? 
Like, you know those companies that specialize in making technology specifically for preschoolers and it's, like, indestructible? Ah. No, no, no. The tech support for the Klingons is uh, named Alexander Rajenko because that's who he is. He is the tech support nerd that has to hang out with all the power jocks. Dang. And he's bad at most of it, but he does know how to fix the thing. I choose to believe Klingons are more body improvement club jocks, frankly. Yeah, I, I choose to believe they're just like bodybuilders. And then like they have like just just like a few people who are just nerds. And it's it's just very, very uncommon. We just don't see them. But there's like one or two like nerds born every now and then. And the rest of them are just bodybuilders. Oh, like every interaction is like that. Hold up, King. Let me tell you. Let me break that down for you a little bit. And like the bus, big muscly guys yes. with e- increasingly more eloquent explanations of the thing. I believe they are relentlessly positive and supportive of each other and encouraging at all times. There Uh, is honor in power cycling your modem. You know what? I think so. I think that they are able to conceptualize it in some way and are just super supportive. Also, the tech support nerds are still ripped. Yeah. Yeah, they're still they have to be if they're They're just less ripped. Yeah. Rachel, that theory doesn't really jive with what we see of like Klingons and Enterprise. Remember those cats that kidnapped flocks? Like, oh my god, yeah, how they were like all turned around on the Enterprise. Yeah. Deliberate misrepresentation of the Klingon people. Okay, so so I don't know how many has everybody in here at least started like Voyager or anything or not Voyager, yes. uh Discovery? Yes. Yes. Okay, so obviously the Klingons are such an ancient race that they have had space travel and vast technology for a long time. We just don't know where it came from, I guess. Maybe they just have like, they just have robots that are making new stuff. They, they at one point, no, you know what? They reached the pinnacle of their intellect and they were like, nah, guys, let's be bodybuilders. Just started like mainlining like power. Yeah, no, to, to, to clarify, I was referring to the Klingons that are represented in the series Enterprise, not that show up on the ship. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. So. Gotcha. I, I appreciated, I think it was Deep Space Nine, but they went back and they were like, these are Klingons? And oh, yeah. was like, yeah. it's, a, it's a long story. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to have to go back and watch the, the original series at some point because it's, uh, it's required viewing to fully appreciate the canon. And how far we've come, even. Yes. Oh. Yeah. In more ways than one. It's been a long road, Paul. Mm, oh, it's a long road getting <laughs> from there to here. It's true. <laughs> we start out, we go far back, back into the future with space Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. He is racist. <laughs> well, I think I think what we can say is that here at Gay Space Communism, we believe that IT professionals have honor. Yes, definitely. Wah, wah. Mm. Ah, so well, I guess it's it's the time that we raise our little banners and tell people where they find us and what we do. And as you know, I'm Paul Byron. I'm on hashtag subtext on Twitter I'm, and on Critical Bitcast, which is Critical Bitcast on Twitter and criticalbitcast.com in the real world. Corey, tell them about your stuff. You got anything cool? Yeah, well, no. So I'm uh, at CM Archibald on Twitter. You can find me there. I'm generally talking about politics and trick. And I dabble in a bunch of different political projects, but mostly I like to shout at people that are ignorant and talk about trick. I make me hassle. Um, you can find me a hassle on Twitter. Um, it's uh, two S's, four A's, if you arrange them correctly. And uh, you can find my YouTube from there. So go for it. You can find me at Punished Rachel K, Risen from the Dead, or Hegelian versus Predator, but it's with a big old gay. Really just search versus Predator. But honestly, don't, because I'm going to be DSA posting for at least the next week, and nobody wants to fucking read that. I don't even want to read that. I just have to do it because I'm in the organization and trying to persuade people. Anyway, I'm gay. Well, that leaves our esteemed associate. Where, where can we, do you have anything that you like and would like to tell the people about? Sure. Uh, I am on Twitter. It's at Dat Howell Guy. It's D-A-T-H-O-W-E-L-L and then Guy. And I stream games sometimes. I have my Twitch channel linked there. Really, I just I keep up with a lot of like game news and stuff. If you'd like to follow my journey through Star Trek, I will also be making various comments and posts about it there. So yeah, I have a I have a bone to pick about that. I already followed you on Twitter and you haven't followed me back, Robbie, and I'm very upset. I'm oh my kidding. gosh! I'm not upset. Just I'm tell just her there's a problem with your with your twits or something. <laughs> tell her you're calling a guy. <laughs> and you gotta... Yeah, sorry. I thought I followed you. Maybe it was a visual cache issue. So. <laughs> no, you see, Robbie is Robbie is my reply guy, Corey. Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well, thanks, Robbie, for being with us. Yeah, love you. Thank you so much for having me. 
Space the rich, everybody.